Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Another week almost gone. Can you believe it? Already at Friday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life today, our uh, program about spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio. Glad to have you joining us. And uh, let me ask you, as we begin the program today, what keeps you up at night? What is that thing that weighs on your mind as you lie in bed? Maybe you toss and you turn or you look up into the dark at the ceiling. And does it stay with you even during the day? Even in the busy events of the day, do you still carry that worry or that stress with you, that anxiety? You know, there's different ways that we're anxious. There can be those good moments of anxiousness, like when you're a young child and you can't fall asleep because you're too excited that night. Tomorrow, it's the the first day of school, or it's Christmas Eve, and the anticipation of Christmas morning with the presents, the fun, it's just too much for you to relax and be able to drift off to sleep. You're anxiously awaiting the joy of the next day. It can't come soon enough. Or maybe as a young man or a young woman, as your wedding day approaches, you're anxious to begin this new chapter of your life with the person that you love. If you're older, if you're grown with your own grown children, when you know that they're going to be visiting for an upcoming holiday or a vacation, there's that good anxiousness, that happy expectation of what is coming soon. I know I have friends who they get anxious about the release of a new album from their favorite band or the upcoming release of a new Star Wars movie. They'll even take the day off from work when that new album or that new movie comes out. Good anxiousness, right? But then there's that being anxious in a not-so-good way. And that's where the fear and the worry, they come into play. I've shared many times here on the program that I've grown up playing music, and I trained in classical piano. And when I was in my early teens, I ended up going, my piano teacher, she took me to different arts festivals and other events where I would play classical pieces, and then my performance, my style, my technique, they were judged by some older, accomplished musician. And I did this several years in a row, and these were actually some of the only times where I really did not enjoy playing music. It was much different than a normal performance or a recital. The idea of someone sitting there, judging all of the little details of my playing, it took all the fun out of it. And then on top of that, the way that they had these sessions set up, These adjudications, you were performing one by one in a group with other musicians, all of us taking our turns there. And those other musicians, they're supposed to be at the same similar skill level. And so everyone plays their piece of music and then you have to sit there and wait. And there's going to be an award for whoever is the best of the group. And there's that kind of nervousness, that waiting. Did I do okay? Did I, was I a complete failure? <laughs> Did I completely just botch up what I was doing? 
And so this level of competition that was brought in, I found myself getting so nervous at these adjudications, nervous in a way that I never did for any other sort of performance, any other setting that I would be in front of people playing music. So I hated it. And I stopped going. I just told my piano teacher, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think the last one that I did was maybe when I was 15 years old. But then if you skip ahead uh, to when I was married, my wife, Baylen, she and I, we had a couple of children at this point. We might have been married for four years or so at the time. We lived in Salem, Oregon. And Baylen had seen, uh, she saw that there was this um, upcoming music performance competition at a local county fair. And if you won at the county level, then you'd go and you'd perform at the state fair level. And it had been far enough of a separation from those arts festivals, those adjudications that I'd played for when I was a young teenager. I just, I'd forgotten about how much I hated that. And so I don't remember how she got me convinced, but however she did, she talked me into playing there at that fair music competition. And it was set up as this two-night event. The first night, the different musicians, anyone who signed up, they could play. Didn't matter what you did. You could sing. You could play a musical instrument. You could be part of a band or a, you know, a choir, whatever it was. And if you did well enough that first night, by the decision of whatever panel of judges that they had there, then you'd be called back to play the second night as a finalist. And I remember playing that first night, and it was fine. No real worries, no anxiety. I was just there to have fun. And I actually hoped that I would not get called back for that second night. But I did get called back. And so there I was that second night, and I was waiting to go up and play when it was my turn. You know, the different musicians that are in front of me, they're doing their act, their song, whatever it was. And I all of a sudden was taken back to when I was a teenager. And it, it just it flooded back why I stopped going to all those arts festivals. I hated that competition when I was playing music. I want to play music for the enjoyment of it. I want to be able to just share the beauty of a song with somebody who's listening. And, you know, musical taste is so subjective anyway. I hate the thought of trying to outperform somebody else or worry that somebody else is better than me. And, of course, I know there are so many musicians out there that are going to be better than me. That's not, that's not the issue. But as I sat there, as I was waiting for my turn to come up to play the song I was going to play, I started getting anxious. I, I could feel those knots in my stomach. I couldn't sit still. You know, my leg, it just started kind of bouncing quickly with that nervous energy. My palms, they started sweating. And at the time, I knew it was so silly, so ridiculous. I'd played to crowds probably four or five times as large. I'd played music that was far more complex than what I was going to play that night. So when my time came, I went up on stage, I played the song, and as soon as I walked off the stage, before I knew how I had placed against any other musician, before I knew anything of the outcome, as I was walking off those steps, I made myself a promise that I would never again play music in any sort of competitive setting. I never wanted to feel that sort of anxiety associated with something that I loved so much. And add to that the worry and the stress and that anxiety. What was it all for? Did I really care if I was judged the best of all the musicians there in some small county fair in Oregon? If I really did end up winning that night, 
Would it have changed one thing about my life and where it was headed? Because I wasn't going to all of a sudden change career paths. I wasn't going to start touring as a professional musician. That worry and that anxiety that I experienced, it was all for nothing. There was no benefit to it at all. But we all have those moments. We all have those times where we worry about something. Might be something small. Might be worrying about something that really is significant, something huge. But the worry and the anxiety... It doesn't really change anything. It only makes us miserable along the way. And Jesus, he tells us not to worry. St. Peter, he tells us to cast all of our cares, all of our anxieties upon Christ. Let him do the worrying for us. But how do we do this? How can we get to a place where we have that trust, that confidence in God's providence that we don't stress, we don't worry about those things in our future? How can we let go of that anxiety? Well, that's what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life, and I'm very glad to welcome to his very first appearance here on The Inner Life, uh, spiritual director for the hour, Father James Serby. He's a priest in the Diocese of uh, Arlington, and he is the parochial vicar of St. Timothy Catholic Church in Chantilly, Virginia. Father Serby, so glad to have you here on The Inner Life uh, for your very first appearance. I suppose I should ask you, are you nervous? (laughs) Josh, it's great to be on. Uh, actually, it's funny you answer, ask that question because the last time I was on live radio was 1996. Oh wow, we're going and, back to a different millennia. Yeah, it was. It was. I was in. I but I, I was on with a very different type of host. I was on with Isaac Hayes and Dr. Dre in New York. So, oh my uh, goodness! All right, the the author so, uh, of the theme for Shaft. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, it is good to be on. I'm, no, I'm not too terribly nervous today. Good. I'm glad. Well, um, so first time on, uh, can you tell us just a little about yourself? Uh, first of all, you're there in the Diocese of Arlington. Have you always lived there in the D.C. metro area? I actually am originally from New York, but moved here when I was eight, like most uh, Virginians in Northern Virginia, at least uh, in the D.C. area. Many of us aren't natives. We weren't born here, but I grew up most of my life here. Went to the University of Dallas, uh, where I studied, and then also went uh, went back to New York to work afterwards until I decided uh, God was calling me to the seminary, and I went to St. Charles Seminary in Philadelphia for that. So I've bounced around a little bit. Very good. Most of my life here. Yeah. All right. And I understand you had uh, kind of a unique um, job before you became a priest. Yes. Of, of the few jobs I had before a priest, I was also the promoter for Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Circus in, uh, in the New York area. So that and Disney on Ice. So I worked for, for both of them, How, which was uh, a lot of fun. I mean, that's one of those old jokes that you hear about, you know, leave home to join the circus. How did that yeah, come I, about? Yeah, I literally did. <laughs> uh, well, you know, when you get out of school, I got out of college with a history degree and I, I knew I wanted to do business of some sort. I enjoy the liberal arts, but clearly wasn't going to do that um, as a career. And I, I just knew people and uh, ended up going and interviewing with them. Always wanted to work in entertainment. I had performed quite a bit when I was at college and um, as in musical theater and um, just really loved the tradition of entertainment in the U.S. I figured what would be more traditional in the U.S. for entertainment than The Greatest Show on Earth. So, greatest Show on so Earth. I, I love yeah. it. All right. Well, <laughs> well uh, let, let's turn to the topic of today, Father Serby. Uh, diving into anxiety, or at least how we might be able to lessen our anxieties. Hmm. And so, first of all, you know, we, we have those times where we get nervous, we get worried about different things in our lives. And when I think about those times where I have been nervous, where I've been anxious about something— 
for me, it's usually getting worked up over something that I can't really control. I want mm -hmm. things to go a certain way. I have this kind of expected outcome, but I have no real way of impacting the outcome. That, as I was reflecting on it this morning, that's where I see it in my own life. Do you think that is where most of that worry and anxiety comes from, is from that place of wanting to control things? Uh, or does it come from a different place or a deeper place? I think ultimately it is that, and um, we can get to that in a moment. I think it's important to be able to separate out anxiety, stress, and excitement. Because when you look at those three aspects, sometimes they can be confused and sometimes they're all combined. For instance, the story you were telling uh, when the show began is the stress of performance. Um, it can, there's a lot going on there. There's excitement because you want to be able to go do it. Excitement physically can seem very much like anxiety. Um, stage fright is usually stage excitement. But then there's stress. Stress is just an outside force being applied to us in some way, and we're responding to it. And stress is actually good. We need stress in our lives. For instance, we stress our hearts by going for a walk or running. We stress our muscles by lifting weights. Well, we also need to expand our souls by challenging ourselves, mortification, prayer, things like that. And our minds by study, by thinking of new ideas. So stress is an important thing. I think a lot of people try to avoid stress because they really ultimately want to avoid anxiety. And anxiety, at least I find, really comes out of having what psychologists call a negative processing bias, that we're biased towards looking at everything in the negative. And that can come usually from a fear of worrying, which is dread, like fearing the future, or regretting, or also called ruminating, which refers to the past. So maybe many people live in the past, their, their past sins, their past troubles. Sometimes anxiety can also arise, obviously, from trauma, traumatic events that have gone unresolved. And so that's ruminating, thinking about them very deeply, constantly. It can also uh, come up as, as a worry for the future, where this kind of thing could happen to me again, or some bad thing is going to happen. And that's usually where we get that, quote unquote, the voice in our head. Hopefully it's not a real voice speaking to us, but but that just the constant unwanted thoughts of what if this and what if that and what if that. It's the, the what right. if syndrome. Well, and that that's, yeah, as you're saying this, I'm thinking, okay, you know, we've all had moments where we've been embarrassed in our past. I mean, mm -hmm. I, you know, and there's that litany of humility that we mm. can pray through. And, you know, it has uh, phrases in there like from the uh, worry of being embarrassed or from the worry of uh, being humiliated. Deliver me, right. oh Jesus. And that's a hard one because I think that goes exactly to your point of, man, I was embarrassed that one time and I really don't want to be embarrassed yeah. again in the future. And that's where that anxiety can take hold in the present. Right. And that's what it is. Negativity outcompetes with positivity, ultimately. So you look, it's like, it's just your, it's good. It's the, it's the old idea of Murphy's Law. You know, it, if it's going to go wrong, it will go wrong and it'll always be worse. Um, and that, not and we can get into that eventually, but that really comes a lot from complaining. And uh, that, that can be at the heart of a lot of anxiety. Just complaining it's, itself? Yeah, just complaining itself because what happens is when we complain, it 
we immediately see life as a threat, whether you know it's whether it's the present or the future usually. And anxiety ultimately is our mind, our bodies reacting to threat. So for instance, um, a gazelle that's out, if you ever watch a gazelle out in the on these videos, these beautiful nature videos, and they're fine, they're grazing, but they're always looking skittish, nervous, because instinctually they're looking for threats. Their threat detector is always on. You could say the their amygdala is lit up. That's that part in the part of our brain that looks for it's the fight or flight or freeze part that looks for stressors. And it's always scanning for the lion. And when the lion, when they spot the lion, they go running because they're just used to it. What happens, I think, is that we, by complaining, we see life as a threat. And when we see life as a threat, then we are always looking for more threats and people who could threaten us mm -hmm. and situations that could be inconvenient and painful. And slowly but surely, the way the mind works is we develop habits of thought. And we start to think always of the threats that are out there, even if they're not very realistic. And so we're always scanning for danger. And we then we start to avoid and escape even healthy, good stressors, healthy, good things, looking for short-term relief. But ultimately, we become entrapped in it. Well, so as you're giving that kind of uh, um, example of the gazelle, always scanning... Now, it's important that they do have that, what you call the threat detector up. Sure. Because if they don't, the lion's going to eat them, right? Going I mean, their, their life is, is short-lived at that point. So that, yeah. that has to be functioning. So in our own lives, there still needs to be that awareness of things that are happening. Mm -hmm. It's just not letting ourselves get so caught up that our threat detector is going off. I guess... Um, as if it's almost malfunctioning, like it's going off at every possible thing that might right. be a threat, even though most likely it's not. Exactly. And that's where, that's where we can allow it. See, anxiety is very much a snowball effect. So when we allow anxiety too much authority in our life, it becomes more and more powerful to a point where almost things that normally didn't make us, make us anxious before now do. And so by being able to check that, and that's really where prayer comes in, certain uh, mindfulness practice, if you will, can come in to be able to allow ourselves to be present in the moment and look at what we're going through in this moment non-judgmentally so we're not worried about the future all the time. It's we live now in the, in the present. We call the present, the present is a gift. That's why we call it a present. Right, right. All right, so let's pick up on that in just a moment here. Uh, yeah. Being in that present moment, how we can be mindful of what's happening now, not letting the past, not letting the future get the, the best of us or the worst of us. And uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Father James Serby in just a moment here. We're going to also open our phone lines. What has helped you in your life to move past those worries, that, that anxiety that maybe you have faced? How has your prayer life or frequenting confession and, and reception of the Eucharist, how has that allowed you to trust, to let go of some of those anxieties that you have faced? Maybe you're dealing with some difficult anxiety right now and you'd like a little help, a little, little advice. That's why we have this hour with our spiritual directors. And that's why Father Serbi is here. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. I also want to mention really briefly here too, uh, if you haven't 
gone online to the relevant radio website or looked at the relevant radio app in the last couple of days, if you go there, you're going to see a banner, and it's for a book by our executive director here at Relevant Radio, Father Rocky. It's called Marriage Insurance, 12 Rules to Live By. And Father Rocky, uh, he just, over the course of his life, both looking at the marriage of his parents, as well as for years and years and years, uh, decades now, counseling different uh, people as they're getting ready, as they're uh, in preparation for marriage, as well as those who are dealing with difficulties in their marriage. He's come up with these 12 different things. And the reason he calls the book Marriage Insurance is because he said, if there was a way that I could actually offer a policy on marriage insurance. You know, you pay me $1,000, and if you follow these 12 steps, if you follow these 12 rules, I guarantee your marriage will last your lifetime. And if not, I'll pay you back a million dollars. Now, he's not going to do that. Uh, He's taken a vow of poverty. But um, it, it really does have some wonderful insights from him and some wonderful things that you can apply, especially if you're looking to get married, if you're in that marriage prep time, or maybe you have a son or daughter or a granddaughter or a grandson that's looking at uh, getting married in the coming year or two. Wonderful thing to pass on to them. Or in your own marriage, there are, even though some of those things might apply to people before they get married, there are so many different aspects that apply to marriages as they're happening. Things you can incorporate into your own marriage right now. And the best thing about this book is it's absolutely free. You don't have to pay for it at all. You don't have to pay for the shipping even. We'll send it to you. Just go to RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app, and uh, it's yours absolutely free when you sign up. So please do so. And we'll be right back with more on our conversation with Father James Servi here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined by our spiritual director, Father James Servi, a priest in the Diocese of Arlington. He's the parochial vicar of St. Timothy Catholic Church in Chantilly, Virginia, and today talking about how we can face anxiety and hopefully free ourselves of that anxiety. And our studio line here, 888-914-9149. What has helped you to be able to free yourself from that anxiety? Is it something in your prayer life? Is it being uh, more united with Christ in the Eucharist? Is it being able to be part of a community there at your parish or in some other group uh, where you can talk about your faith and share some of those concerns, some of those worries, those fears that you have? Uh, Maybe you're struggling with that anxiety right now. Our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father Serby, you know, this last year and a half, It's been a time that's been filled with all kinds of anxiety for so many people with COVID, with all the social distancing, with everything that's come along with that, Mm -hmm. all the different circumstances, news, uncertainty. 
and then there's the chance of, you know, you could get seriously sick. You could even possibly die. And so it's brought a lot of fear into the lives of so many people. I, I think especially the older you are, the more worry there can be in your life. And I know even for myself, those first couple of months when... Uh, you know, okay, there's this pandemic that is coming out, and especially when there was so much unknown about the virus itself. Mm -hmm. the, I, I struggled those first couple months with that kind of anxiety and just saying, oh, this is, I, I, I had to kind of unplug myself from the news at one point and say, okay, right. I just have to decompress here. But when there is that real uncertainty in the future, when we're faced with something that could mean real suffering for us. And I mean suffering, yeah, it could be us getting sick, or it could be, I, I might lose a loved one. How do we approach that and not let that fear get the better of us? You know, that that not not worrying about the future and being in the present moment when there's something that could be quite dire. Yeah, that's a really great question. And uh, one that's been very much on my mind uh, the last 24 hours uh, as a priest in the Diocese of Arlington, right across the river from from Washington, D.C., obviously, and it's the home of the Pentagon and pretty much everything else. Uh, in the last 24 hours, I've been sitting with war vets and those who are even in active duty still who were in Afghanistan um, and over the last you know 20 years. And listening to them, uh, last night I was sitting with a, a group of guys and we were, we were just talking and they were getting their frustrations out and their fears. And I noticed that the fears were of the past, of what they went through, and then that that could come here or happen again oh. in the future. And what I noticed is if we just were able to sit in our, once we were able to sit in our friendship and be able to just speak about that in the moment, we were together and that alleviated a lot of the fear. And so I think the a lot of the fear that we encounter ultimately comes out of a loneliness that loneliness, of course, we experience very much during COVID and can be alleviated very often through friendship and most importantly, a friendship with the Father. And there's a really great analogy that uh, Luigi Gisani, who is the founder of Communion Liberation, used at some point in one of his writings. He said that life, as we go about in life, we have a great sense of comfort like a child that is holding the hand of their father as they walk through a big uh, festival or carnival. And that child has a sense of confidence and security when they're holding the father's hand. But when sudden something happens and the crowd sweeps them and they accidentally lose contact of their hands, suddenly the child went goes from being incredibly confident and secure, connected to the father, to panicked and afraid and anxious because they, they're, they're lost in the crowd. And that very often can happen with us is... And that was the original temptation. The original temptation of the evil one in the garden is to say, the father is not a good provider. The father is not trustworthy. So you need to become like God. And once mankind reached for that forbiddenness of trying to be God ourselves, that means we have this all of a sudden become the arbiter of what's good and bad. We have to, that means we also have to be the one that decides what I'm going to do, what's good to do, what's not good to do. And all of a sudden, all of the decision-making of life becomes wrapped up in me. And so that creates an existential loneliness, a deep loneliness. So the more we can connect to the Father, the more we can heal the wounds that we have uh, 
uh, of of uh, a fear that the father is not going to provide and protect. And sometimes that means real spiritual warfare, real deliverance prayers against the lie that the father is not there for me. Sometimes it also means getting good counseling and therapy, especially if we have father or mother wounds where we felt from a very young age as though maybe we had to go it on our own and protect ourselves. So I think that's that's the beginning of of that. Mm. Yeah, that loneliness, you know, as you're talking about those men who are sharing, of, mm. you know, the, that right there, I've got to imagine initially that there's that comfort of knowing, oh, I'm not alone. I, I oh, yeah. There are other vets that have been through this and are experiencing the same thoughts, the same feelings, the same emotions that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. But then being able to talk with you and if you're able to direct them to the father, there's, you know, I, it's good to, to have that human companionship, but then to have the love of the father that can be that overwhelming assurance that we're not alone. Um, that, that's, that's beautiful. Father, we've got a lot of phone calls coming in. Um, let's go to Sister Elizabeth. She's listening in Los Angeles. Hi, Sister Elizabeth. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, Good morning. Um, okay, I wanted to share an experience. It was Palm Sunday, and I was the narrator for um, the, the Passion reading. And I came to the end of the, it's about two sentences left. It's when it said, and Mary Magdalene was at the foot of the cross. And I fell apart crying. Hmm. And I was so embarrassed. And this is going back to humiliations. I was so embarrassed. And even a sister came up to try to finish the, the last part of the reading. And I got so angry. I was like, no, I'm going to finish this. And which wasn't nice. Poor sister was embarrassed walking up. But I, I finished it and I left and I was so embarrassed. I, we have a nursing home. So we had people from outside. And, and about a year later, a woman came up to me and she said, Sister, I want to invite you to my confirmation and First Holy Communion and confirmation. She said, I went back to RCIA. That day you were reading in Mass, when you cried, I, I saw that you believed what you were reading. Mm. And I had to go back to RCIA and make my first Holy Communion and be confirmed. Hmm. So, the reason why I'm saying that is ever since then, when I feel nervous or unsure about something I have to do, I reflect back to that experience and I remind myself that God is with me. And no matter what happens, and that gives me the courage to keep going forward, God will use it for good. Hmm. So as long as I'm uniting it with Him, He'll use it. So the the end result on my, of course, my my ego and my pride, it hurts. But um, I saw, wow, I don't want to not do this because maybe God is going to bring something, lead someone or, or give a grace to someone, no matter what the result is of what I have to do. So I thought I'd share that. Thank you so much, sister. That God bless that moment. I'm very happy about that moment because in that experience, you were experiencing Mary Magdalene. You were allowing people to experience what Mary Magdalene was going through in that 
because there was a great amount of anxiety and suffering she was dealing with. And she had to let go of herself, always letting go of herself. But in that moment of experience, that's we, we still, to this day, 2,000 years later, reflect about her humility. And it was that experience that made her the really the first evangelist of the resurrection. And so God bless that moment. I mean, obviously God used it. And you're right. God's always going to use those experiences. I've found in my own struggles with anxiety, which I've, I've dealt with most of my life, that when I have entered into that darkness and not been afraid because I knew, well, I've learned to know over time that the father was very much going to hold me, that he was going to be there with me and that others would be as well. When I've allowed myself to enter into that, that becomes the privileged place where others can encounter God as well because they can look and say, well, you know, you've been there. And there's really, we do that one. Don't we go to Mary Magdalene? Wow, you know, we've been there. And what that person experienced in you, through you, was you have been in this place, the same place I'm in. And now you've provided me an answer. You've provided me a mediation of God's presence. So God bless that moment. I'm so happy it happened to you, even though it was painful. <laughs> well, and Father, I'd like to go back to one other thing that Sister Elizabeth brought up, too. She said in that moment, as it happened, mm -hmm. she said, oh, I was so angry. Dealing with that anger that things don't go how we want them to go, that's also another aspect. How... How can we, in those moments where we might be facing that humiliation or where there might be that fear, do you have any advice on how we can let go of the anger, let go of the, oh, look at what's happening to me, and say, okay, God, I'm just going to place this in your hands? Mm. Yes, I would say it begins before that moment. If we're the more vulnerable we are being to God in prayer and really expressing what it is that we're experiencing, what our emotions are, what we're feeling, as well as our thoughts that come from it in, in the little things of everyday life, and as well as having really deep, authentic, deliberate friendships where we can be our true self and we can open up. What happens is when those more difficult moments come up, I'm not going to feel like God's abandoning me because I've been, we've been working together, we've been talking, and I'm not going to feel as though I'm going to be abandoned and alone by others because I always have my closest friends and my family. And when we have those things, we're able to then walk into the shadow of the valley of death and fear no evil because I'm not going to be alone because that really is what it is. I mean, anytime we're afraid of these things, I will be rejected. I'm going to be humiliated. I'm going to be abandoned. And that's the great lie. That's the lie of the evil one that the father is not going to protect and provide you and you're going to be alone, rejected and abandoned. And so if we are constantly exercising that and being with people, knowing I'm not abandoned, I'm not abandoned, I'm not alone, I'm not rejected in the little things, when the bigger things happen, we're going to be able to, uh, it will be stressful and it will be difficult, but it'll be a little, that little death to self is not going to be as dramatic and grand because we've been having those little dress rehearsals for death to self by being vulnerable. Well, and you know, going back, you, you had that phrase, negative processing bias, mm. that we look at the bad things that have happened, the negative things that have happened in our past, and we have the worry that that's going to happen in the future. Sister Elizabeth sounds like she's turned that into a, pro, a positive processing bias, Absolutely. where she's been able to say, you know, that bad thing happened in the past, but look at the good that came out of it. And I have the hope 
that something else good can come out of, even if it does seem bad at the moment. Exactly. And I think that's it. We do have that negative processing. Think of it, we can also have um, the the inner judge that's always, it's a negative, almost prosecutor voice in our head. Well, if we're going to allow our minds to become like a courtroom, it means we also need a defender, defense attorney. Mm. And we need Jesus to stand there and say, yeah, but what about this? And And really make the case for the joyful, the more positive. It doesn't mean living a Pollyanna life, but it does mean at least living the balance of, yes, it could be negative, but it could also be, and with Christ it will <laughs> right, be, right. the greatest thing that ever happened. I mean, look at you look at the cross and you just say, wow, how awful. I mean, nothing is more awful than that. And yet right, it's good we have Christ. Friday. It's good Friday, exactly. Yeah. It's not miserable, pathetic Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Our spiritual director, Father James Serby. And I know we've got a number of you on hold, so please be patient. We're going to try and get to your calls here in just a moment, but we do need to take a short time out. If you would like to join the program, our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Talking about anxiety, how we can have that trust, that confidence in Christ, in the Father, that we will have a good outcome, even if things seem dark, even if things seem like they're not going well. How can we move past that anxiety? What has helped you to move past that anxiety in your life, your prayer life, being able to frequent the sacraments? Uh, What has allowed you to let go of some of those anxieties that you've faced? And maybe you are dealing with those anxieties right now and you'd like some advice. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. Email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll be back with more right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Back to the inner life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour, Father James Serby, a priest in the Diocese of Arlington. And if you've missed any earlier portion of the program, of course, I want to direct you to the podcast. It will be posted this afternoon. You can go back and listen to the entire hour at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And so many other good resources there on the Relevant Radio app and on our website. Uh, You can also access past shows there as well. And uh, we're taking your phone calls right now. 888-914-9149. As we talk about anxiety, how we can approach and deal with anxiety, not let that fear paralyze us, not let those worries of our life uh, take control, how we can live with that assurance of God being in control and loving caring for us, wanting the best for us. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got Norman, who's listening in Concord, uh, California. Hi, Norman. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi. Thank you. So uh, I just want to share, um, I am uh, I have a melancholic temperament, so anxiety is kind of like built into me. I was born with it. Um, so the... Um, 
the the best way that I deal with it is to whenever I have a uh, I pray and have a strong conviction that uh, God is my Father, that um, He's a good one, He's the best one. In fact, He's the perfect one, and that uh, His intention is to mold me or train me to become the person that He designed me to be. That that thought, that prayer, really helps me a lot in, in dealing with my anxiety. Plus, uh, uh, practical steps that I take. Every day, like avoiding the news, which is very hard because I grew up uh, um, reading the news before anything else. And uh, also, like, you know, I'm supposed to avoid coffee, but, you know, I can sacrifice that because I love coffee. But just just going back, I just want to re- reiterate, it's the thought, the strong conviction that God is my father and that he allows stressors in my life. Like, uh, I'm introverted. But I'm not supposed to, you know, I don't think I'm anybody's supposed to be happy with being alone, but that's how I am. I like being alone. Uh, sometimes, well, often I become lonely, but I, I just love being alone. But uh, so the stressor for me would be uh, to engage, you know, in conversations like right now, my heart is pounding, but I'm okay with it because I trust you guys. So, and uh, I know that the father allows moments like this so that I can learn how to, you know, overcome my weaknesses. So that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much for that vulnerability that uh, to be able to admit all of those things is incredible. But also, um, I, and it's just a few comments that I love what you said about he allows that God allows the moments of anxiety or the moments in our life that might cause anxiety. That's part of that, the providence of God, that God in his providence he never allows something that is not in his will for us. So even the, the horrible things that happen, he always has this amazing good in mind for us, what can come from it. I've seen that time and time again in my priesthood and in my life. So it's that he's allowing this. Why are you allowing this? Like question the father, ask him, what, why are you allowing this? What do you want me to experience in this? Also like what you said, it was interesting about loneliness. Um, obviously, no man is meant to be alone. We're never meant to be alone. There's a real difference between solitude and loneliness. Solitude's necessary. We need that time to contemplate, uh, even just to concentrate in a very distracted world. That silence is so beautiful. Cardinal Seurat wrote a wonderful book about the power of silence. I think we need that very deeply in our lives. But there's a difference between the solitude, in other words, being alone, and then loneliness. And loneliness is more of that crisis of not having friendship, not having deeper friendship with people we can be our real true self with, which then obviously counterbalances the fear of rejection and abandonment. So just want to recommend that to you. And I think it was great when you were talking about all the practical things. Let me give you a few practical things more that I think would be great. And you said one, um, coffee. I, I quit caffe- caffeinated coffee two years ago and it made such a difference in my life. I started, you know, I had caffeinated coffee, then I went to half-calf like for a week or two, and then I went to decaf. Now I only drink decaffeinated coffee. As well as, and this probably is good for everybody, is giving up sugar. Sugar not only can make us diabetics and, and, and give us health problems, but also sugar has a tendency of elevating the heart rate and making us feel anxious even when we're not. Also can take away from sleep, which is important. And I'm um, getting out of bed right away. <laughs> 
when the alarm goes off in the morning, whatever it is, to be able to get out of bed right away. Because if we don't, what happens is our minds, our minds start to look for threats. Like you're avoiding the day, you're avoiding getting up and running into your day, which means the day must be a threat. Let me start analyzing what threats there are. So getting right out of bed takes away, once again, that negative processing bias. And then I'd say the final thing, and this is just so beautiful, is humor. Having humor, something we're losing during our COVID time and 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 of course all of the problems we're having in our media and things, people are losing their sense of humor. So to refine that, to laugh once again, um, look at children. Children are rarely anxious because they're present in the moment and they love to laugh. And we can refine that again. It's Jesus obviously calling us to be like children. Well, I uh, I don't know how many people turned off as soon as you said no more coffee and no more sugar, <laughs> Father. But uh, no, we still have a number of people that are on the phones here. So let's go back to the phones. We've got Roberta who's listening in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hi, Roberta. You're on the air with Father Serbi. Well, uh, Roberta, are you there? Okay, we might have to come back to her. Uh, let's go to Victoria. Uh, Nick, can you check on Roberta and see if she's there? Victoria is listening in Clinton, Iowa. Hi, Victoria. Welcome to the Inner Life today. Hi. Go uh, ahead. You're you're on the air. Radio has taught me to turn to Jesus and remember that He didn't that you don't suffer anxiety if you keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving people. Mm. You won't suffer that anxiety. Even on the cross, he said, forgive me, forgive them, Father. You know, I've been beat up a lot by people, lots of times. And I just have so much anxiety because I still carry some of the bruises. And every time I forgive, God gives me something to help me, you know. And he gives me the relief. And he, he really makes me strong. It's like he heals the bruises. And that's all I have to say. Thank you so much, Victoria, for sharing that. That's it's one of the hardest things, obviously, to forgive. I think a lot of times we think we need to forgive and forget. But what we need to do is actually bring the hurts. And one thing I can recommend to you is bring to your prayer, like imagine the person. Let's say this. I mean, it sounds like there's some people, many people, but bring one person. Imagine yourself with them, which quite frankly, could cause some anxiety just considering that. But allow Jesus to be with you. Imagine you're sitting in a room and it's that person and you and Jesus. Recount what it is that they did to you in the presence of Jesus. And, and you can be very specific. But in doing that, then you can be able to turn to Jesus and say, can you teach me how to forgive this person with these things? And then Jesus is going to, in your prayer, slowly but surely help you to be able to let go of those things. And you can reject any of the lies that might come to you, you know, that, that this is going to happen to you again or something. Really just say, in the name of Jesus, I reject the lie that this will happen to me again. And to be able to do that spiritual warfare against it, slowly but surely we can very much be unbound by these things and be able to find freedom in our lives from this. Father, let's talk a little about that reject the lie, because mm -hmm. there are so many different influences. Of course, we have the spiritual warfare that's going on, but so many other voices in our society. What's the best way that you think that we can say, okay, is this really from God, or is mm -hmm. this something that's coming from a different source? Sure, Josh, yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I, I recommend people to bring to their prayer St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, 
chapter 5, and you, just verse 22, really. Galatians 5, 22. And, and the Lord says, you know, the, but the, the, or Paul says to us, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think what's good to know is anything that comes from God is always going to have those at its root and those as its goal. And if something comes to us and it's not those things, then it's not from God. And we might say, boy, almost everything in my head is not from God then. Okay, that's just a lot of lies then we've come to believe or that are whispered to us spiritually by the evil one. And we can reject those things. And the more we do it in the name of Jesus always, then we start to notice, okay, wow, that's bringing me love and patience. That's from God. Whether it's a thought, our action, the action of another, or an experience of what's going on in the world. Hopefully that makes sense. Absolutely. And so looking at those fruits of the Spirit, uh, we're down to just our last minute or so here, Father, but Mm -hmm. is there a prayer you might recommend that people start with as a way to kind of lessen that anxiety and trust more of God, His leading in the present moment? Sure. Well, actually, I think that you mentioned the litany of humility earlier, right. which I, I can't uh, recommend enough. Um, I really do think that praying very deeply with the Our Father, it, it all comes down to the Father. And we think of it, give us this day our daily bread. Like, what are you giving to me right now in this moment? And when we have that, what happens is we become very much like children and we become very, we have that holy curiosity of we're looking how are you interacting with me right now, Father? How are you providing with me right now, Father? And the Our Father helps us with that. And so that takes away a lot of stress because we know the Father's always with us. So I recommend just going through the Our Father very slowly, even just the beginning, and, and meditating on that. Very good. Well, Father Serby, thank you so much for being our spiritual director for the hour. Before we conclude, could I ask you, we've got about 30 seconds here, could I ask you to offer your priestly blessing to all of our listeners? Absolutely. Absolutely. I ask our Lord to be with all of you, to continue to give you courage, to be able to carry the cross and to face anxiety and to know that he will always relieve it, most particularly through the intercession and the presence of our Blessed Mother and Mary Magdalene at the foot of the cross. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. And a great first show here on The Inner Life. I hope we can talk again sometime soon. Thanks, Josh. God bless you and all your listeners. All right. And again, if you missed any part of the earlier portion of the program, go back, listen to the podcast. It'll be posted here this afternoon at RelevantRadio.com or online uh, on our Relevant Radio app. And of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass that's coming up next here in, oh, just a little over 30 seconds. Father Edward Looney is our celebrant today. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing you back here on Monday as we're going to talk about Marian devotion. It'll be a great hour talking about our Blessed Mother. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you then here on The Inner Life.